from your heart to his this morning. Worship him with a song. Lord, I stand in awe of you. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful. Give all your worship to him this morning as we sing together.
here at the beginning of our time together in worship, we want to give you an opportunity to spend some time in prayer and in prayer here at the altar. And perhaps there is an issue in your heart and in your life and you'd just like to lay it down here at the foot of the cross and allow the Lord to have it and trust him with it and not, not try to take it up again, not try to take it out of the hands of the Lord, but to truly trust him with whatever that may be, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a relationship issue, uh, whether it's uh, someone that you're praying for, that they might come to know Christ, to trust him with that and uh, to lay it down here at the foot of the cross today. And so this morning, whatever the needs may be, with every head bowed and with all eyes closed today, I want you to know this altar is open. It's a place where we can come and spend some time with the Lord and lay down our burdens. Altar is open. Come. What are the needs this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we are so thankful that you are the God who is more powerful than anything that we may face. Lord, you are greater than this virus. Lord, you are greater than any other health issue that we may be facing this morning. Lord, you are more powerful than any relationship that may seem to be broken beyond repair because, Lord, we know that you're the God of reconciliation. Lord, we... We know that you're the God who can save. And so, Lord, no matter who it is that we're trying to share the gospel with, no matter how hard we may think their, their heart may be towards you, Lord, you can soften that heart. Lord, you, you soften the heart of, of, of Saul. And, Lord, you used him. And, Lord, you, you created a, a man who, who was passionate about your name and about the gospel being proclaimed. And, and so, Lord, if you can do that, Lord, whoever it is that we're trying to share with, you can reach them as well. And so, Lord, this morning, we come with a lot of burdens. Lord, we come with a lot of baggage. Lord, we want to lay it down. And, Lord, we want to hear from you. And, Lord, we, we thank you that, that you're the God who loves us and you're concerned about every issue that may be on our heart today. And, Lord, there's nothing too big, too small for us to give over to you. And so that's exactly what we do right now. We give it all over to you and we trust you with it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this great song called Shout to the Lord?
Amen. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you, Ricky, for helping out there on the guitar. What a wonderful day we've had in worship. 
and uh, looking forward to hearing from God's word this morning. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 21, and we'll be going through chapter 22, verse 5. Revelation chapter 21. As you're turning there, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you once again for the opportunity to come and to worship, to come and to hear your word proclaimed, Lord, to come and to be able to pray and to know you hear us, Lord. Uh, Lord, most of, of all, we thank you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for this love relationship that we have with you that promises us that one day we will be with you unhindered and at home in heaven forever. And Lord, there will be no separation, there will be no distance, and we're so thankful for that, for that truth, Lord, that promise that you've given to us. And for many of us who have loved ones who are already there at home, Lord, it, it, it causes us to long all the more uh, to be in that place uh, where there will be that great homecoming reunion. And uh, Lord, we're excited about that day, and Lord, we're so thankful for the great love that you have for us, that while we are yet still sinners, that you saw fit to send your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ to come and to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins, to be buried for three days and to arise from that grave in victory. And it's because of that that we can have a relationship with you. Through that faith relationship with Jesus, everything changes. And so, Lord, today I pray that if there's even one who does not yet have that relationship with you, that today might be the day of salvation. That today might be the day where they recognize their sin. They recognize they don't want to try to, to fix it themselves anymore because they can't. And Lord, they just trust you. They come to you and say, yes, Lord, even today. Lord, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A new home. You know, home is, is a special place. It's a, a special place for all of us. And as we think back, uh, for most of us, as we think back to our, our childhood homes, that brings back some great memories uh, of, of the things that happened in those childhood homes. It brings back memories of all the holidays that we spent in, in those homes and the special things that happened, the, the birthday celebrations that happened in those homes. Uh, we remember those special places around our, our home place. So we remember maybe, maybe you remember that, that special tree that had that swing when, or maybe you, that, that you would climb. Maybe you remember uh, that watering hole that you would go and, and you would swim in. Maybe you remember that special room that, that was just right for sitting back and reading. Maybe you remember that kitchen that you love to cook and eat in. Home is where the heart is, and the heart is where the family dwells. And Robin and I have been blessed by the Lord this past year uh, to be able to build a new home. Uh, we left Benton, and we came over here to Draftonville, and we built a, a new home on this side of the county, and, and that's been a true blessing. And if you want our address, I'll give it to you after the service, okay? But we're so thankful to be able uh, to, to have that new place. And we built a new home because our family had outgrown um, our home there in Benton. And when building a new home, you change things, don't you? If anybody has, you wouldn't go through it. You wouldn't go through the horror that is building a new home if you didn't change some things, would you? Uh, but we've changed some things. You change things because there were some things that, that weren't the way you wanted them in your last home. And you want life to be easier. You want life to be better in your new home and so we did that we added an extra bedroom for extra, for an extra child for Liz Kate uh, we added a bonus room for our kids so they don't drive us crazy when they have all their friends over 
Um, Robin added some special things in the kitchen, some things that she had wanted that she didn't have in our last house. I built a, a big deck on the back of the house to entertain uh, family and friends. Some things that we had always wanted, we added to our new home. Well, last week we began to look at our new home, and that home is our eternal home, and it is called heaven. Of course, of course we all know that heaven is much more than just a place. Heaven is the home of Almighty God. It is the home of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the glorious land where the redeemed will be able to spend eternity together. It is the place where we all ultimately long to go. And this new home is going to have many differences from our dwelling that is here on earth. No matter how nice, no matter how, how spectacular we think our home here is on earth, this home is going to be better. There will be upgrades in absolutely every area of life. It will be a perfect home. It will have a perfect foundation. It will be built out of the finest materials. It will be illuminated by the Shekinah glory of Almighty God Himself. It will have extra rooms because of the growing family. But most importantly, Jesus will be there. Amen? Jesus will be there. And that is what makes heaven home. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to going to my new home. As much as you've heard me over the last few months longing to be able to get into our new house, I much more long to be in my eternal home. And so this morning we're going to take a journey. And we're going to take a journey, and it's into our future home. So let's try to wrap our minds this morning around the, 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 this Bible passage and what it says that will take place in this place called heaven. And as we do, let's remember that while we may call it heaven right now, one day we will have the honor of calling it our home. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Revelation 21. Let's begin there in verse 5 this morning. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto the stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it had a wall, great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And all the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talketh with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 
furlongs, or that's somewhere between 14 and 1,500 miles. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of the man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third was chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth was sardius, the seventh was chrysolite. The eighth was beryl, the ninth was topaz, the tenth was chrysophysis, the eleventh adjacent, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the streets of the city was pure gold, as were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall be no wise enter into it any that are defileth, neither whosoever worketh abominations or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river were the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruit and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and thou shalt reign forever and ever. You may be seated. Wow. I love that passage of Scripture. I just love that passage. And as we come to chapter 21 in verses 5 through 8, we see the gates of the city. And so the Lord begins this section of Scripture by reminding us that He is still in control and that He is about to make everything brand new. And as soon as He makes that promise, as soon as He says, I'm going to make all things new, the Lord says, it is done. He says, I'm going to do it, and then He says, it's finished. In that simple statement, God pronounces an end to this world and all the turmoil and all the strife and, and, and all the pain. And he proclaims the beginning of that new world with glory and splendor. And so before, we, he, he, and before here he shares the wonders of heaven with us, the Lord first reveals the gates of that city. These are not physical gates that can be shut to keep people in or out. After all, the gates of heaven will never be shut, he says in, in, in verse 25. But these are true gates of the city, for it is these gates that determine who enters and who does not enter in to New Jerusalem. We see in verses 6 and 7 who the gate permits. These gates permit those who have taken the water of life. They permit those who are overcomers. 
This is a clear statement that heaven is opened only to those who have placed their faith in a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, He is the water of life, and it is our faith in Him that makes us overcomers. And so those who enter heaven will enjoy a perfect inheritance and profound intimacy with their Heavenly Father. It's very simple that the gate to heaven, the only gate to heaven, is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. It's not through good works. It's not through religious works. It's not just through trying real hard. There's one way, and he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And no man, no woman, no boy, no girl enters into relationship with the Father except through Jesus Christ. And so he is the door into life. To believe on him by faith is to be saved. To reject him is to be cast away into hell. But we also see in verse 8 who the gates prohibit. Some people, we're told here, will not be allowed to enter that city. But they will be sent away into the lake of fire. So let's examine the list of those who will be banned from heaven. And we saw this last week. The first that it mentions is the fearful, those who have allowed the fear of the Lord or the fear of man to keep them from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever that fear might have been, I don't want to get up in front of people. I'm, I, I, I'm scared of crowds. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm scared of this or I'm scared of that. They allowed fear to keep them from Jesus. The unbelievers, those who refused to believe and receive the gospel, they came up with every reason to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. The abominable are those who gave themselves up to the vile and wicked lifestyles of this world. The mur murderers, those who have willingly and unrepentantly taken the lives of others. Whoremongers are those who have given themselves over to sexual perversion. Uh, sorcerers, those who have practiced the magical arts, but also remember last week that we saw that word sorcerers is also where we get our idea of the word pharmacy. Now that doesn't mean, you know, any, someone who works at CVS or, or Walgreens or J&R. This is speaking of someone who, who concocts uh, drugs in order to, to, to have chemical concoctions to inebriate themselves. In other words, it speaks of those who are addicted to the use of drugs and alcohol. But also idolaters, those who give themselves to the worship of false gods and false systems of belief. And think about how many in this world are given over to those things. Also all liars, those who uh, do not know the truth, those who live a lie. So if you saw yourself on that list, if that describes you, if you're living in that kind of unrepentant sin, I invite you this morning to repent of that sin and I invite you to come to Jesus. I invite you to say yes to him because he is the one that can clean you up. You cannot clean yourself up from any of these sins. It will require a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to do that. And he will. He'll forgive you of your sins and he'll prepare you to be able to enter into your new home in heaven. But if you refuse him, if you reject his free offer of grace, there is nothing more for you but for, the, for you to spend eternity in the flames of hell forever. He has given you every opportunity to come to him there's nothing keeping you from coming to him if you will repent of sin and say yes to Jesus. But secondly, I want you to see in chapter 21, verses 9 through 21, the glories of the city. Having told us now how to enter the city of heaven, John now shares the details about heaven. First we see in verses 11 through 14, the city's distinction. This earth and every city and every home in this world require a source 
of light of one type or another. Uh, many parts of the world, they don't have electricity. They don't, they don't have those things, and so they, they cut windows. They cut large openings for natural light to come in. Here, we have a lot of lighting. We have lamps. We have these beautiful lights in this sanctuary. We have sources of light. But if it were not for the sun, if it were not for the moon, if it were not for these man-made lighting systems, this world would be nothing more than a dark tomb. Heaven, on the other hand, is brilliantly lit by the Shekinah glory of God. And so here we see that John describes the city as being a jasper stone. Now, what does that mean? Well, the jasper stone is today what we call a diamond, okay? How many of you, got, how many of you ladies like diamonds? Any ladies in here like diamonds? Yeah. Even some men in here probably like diamonds. If you, have a, if you have a very large diamond, you're well off. They're worth a lot of money, aren't they? Well, that's what we speak of here. The city will be like a great diamond in appearance. Now, think about how large we said this city was. It will be as a great diamond in appearance as it reflects, as it re refracts that light from the Shekinah glory of God shining throughout it. And so imagine a world where the glory of God is on full display, full display. We go to the Old Testament, and remember there in Exodus chapter 33, verses 18 through 33, when Moses prayed to the Lord, he said, show me your glory. Moses wanted to understand, he wanted to experience what it was to see the glory of God. And so Moses was only allowed, though, to see the back of God's glory. Only the back of God's glory was, was attainable for Moses to be able to see and not die. Can you only imagine when it is placed on full display for all to see, in all of its glory, in all of its splendor, for us to be able to experience what it is to look upon the very glory of God. But also the city is surrounded by gleaming high walls. There are 12 gates to this wall, each gate attended by an angel. And these gates have the names of the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed on them. And the wall of this great city rests on 12 foundations, which we see have the names of the 12 apostles. What a city. I've been to some amazing cities, but nothing on earth compares to this city. But also notice this city's dimensions in verses 15 through 17. An angel having a golden reed comes to measure the city. A reed was somewhere around 10 feet in length. And so this measuring took a great deal of time. We're told that the city is built like a square at its bottom. And it's equal in length on all sides. We're also told that this city measures 12,000 furlongs. And each side is as tall and as wide and as long as the other. And so 12,000 furlongs, as I said a moment ago, translates to somewhere between 1,400 and 1,500 miles. I want you to take that in. This is a city that is 14 to 1,500 miles wide, tall, length, breadth. I mean, this is a huge place. This city is absolutely astounding in its size. If this city's eastern edge were to be placed upon the Atlantic Ocean, its western edge would be in Denver, Colorado. If this city's northern edge was placed upon the Canadian border, its southern edge would be in Miami, Florida. That is a big city, folks. That is a huge city. That, 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 that's beyond anything that we can comprehend in this world. It is even more amazing to consider 
that is also that high. And so think of the distance that we drive, uh, that our folks drive when they go to Montana. Uh, when we go to work with Brother Bruce at the camp, that is how far you would have to go to go from one side of this city to the other. This is one city. Can you imagine? It is astounding the size of this place. That's a two, two hard days of driving here on earth, but, but we'll be able to experience it in a vastly different way there. This city is surrounded by a wall, and we're told the wall measures 144 cubits. That is about 72 yards or 216 feet. So this could refer to its height or it could refer to the thickness of the wall. But imagine a wall there where, where there is, imagine a city here where there is room for all. Absolutely everyone is invited that, that wants to come to Jesus. All who would receive him are invited in. Where there, there's no ghettos in this place. There's no mean streets in this place. There's no wrong side of town in this place. Imagine a city of absolute beauty and, and sinless perfection. If you can imagine a place like that, a perfect place like that, then you can imagine our new home. But also notice the city's design in, in verses 18 through 21. In these few verses, John describes the materials that have been used to construct this city. He tells us that the wall is made of a diamond and the city is made of pure, transparent gold. Now, think about that. Uh, think about trans gold that is so pure that you can literally see through it like glass. That is just amazing. He also tells us that the city rests on a foundation that is loaded with the most precious gemstones that we can even imagine here on this earth. And just a brief look at, at these tells us what kind of place this is going to be. So we, we saw the jasper stone, which is like a diamond. It's clear like a diamond. Then we see the sapphire, which is a, a clear blue. We see the chalcedony, which is uh, a, a sky blue. We see the emerald, which is a deep green. We see the sardonyx, which is a white with, with layers of red flowing through it. We see the sardius, which is a fiery red stone. We see the chrysolite, which is a golden yellow gemstone. We see the beryl, which is sea green. The topaz, which is greenish yellow. We see the chrysophysis, which is a golden green. We see the jasoneth, which is violet. We see the amethyst, which is purple. And so all of these are gemstones that are used like, the, like we saw in the jasper stone that is, that is built with to reflect the Shekinah glory of God all over this city so that there's these beautiful colors being reflected all over the city. Imagine, if you will, a city that gleams with the brilliant glory of God. Imagine that pure light as it shines through the diamonds, the gold, the, the multicolored precious stones in that heavenly city. You talk about a glorious sight to see, this will be it. But also the gates of that city are made of pearls. Now why is that significant? The pearl, as most of us probably know, is actually formed out of pain. A grain of sand is trapped in an oyster, and that sand irritates the oyster. And so the oyster begins to build up layers upon layers of calcium around that grain of sand. And after a long time, a pearl, a small little pearl, will be formed. Well, the pearl is the only gemstone that is made from a living organism. And the pearl is the oyster's answer to its pain. And so these gates will remind us that while salvation and while heaven is provided to us, 
freely. Neither one was cheap. Everything that we have was born out of the pain that was suffered by our Savior on the cross of Calvary. And so every time that we enter that city, we will be reminded of the price that He paid to redeem our souls. Heaven is our Lord's answer to the pain of the cross. And so even the streets of heaven will be glorious to behold. We, we will walk about on streets that are paved with the purest gold imaginable. What a city awaits the redeemed. And we will get to live there forever and ever and ever. But also look with me at chapter 21, verse 22, through chapter 22, verse 5. And we see the guarantees of the city. So as we move to these last verses, even more the wonders of heaven are displayed for us. And these verses tell us some of the things that will be there and some of the things that will not be there. And so let's consider these guarantees. First, there's the guarantee of new relationships. When we arrive in heaven, our relationship with God will be forever altered. There will be a new interaction we see in chapter 21, verse 22. Today we worship the Lord in our church buildings and, and in temples constructed by the hands of men. We're not allowed to approach him because we're separated from him by our, our flesh and by our sin. But, but we, we, we can't fully appreciate what it is to have unhindered access. We come before God through the agency of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man. But in that day, there will be no need for temples and no mediator because we will have the direct face-to-face -face access to God himself. What a day that will be. But also there will be a new intimacy. We will see his face. His name will be written in our foreheads. We will serve him in perfection and righteousness and in holiness. We can't do that fully today. Too many things come between us and the Lord. Too many things hinder our service to him. Too many things destroy our intimacy with him in this world. None of those things, though, will hinder it when we get to glory. We will enjoy perfect intimacy with our Father, our Savior, and with the Holy Spirit. But also there's a guarantee of new realities. Not only will our relationship with the Lord be changed, so will many of the things that we have grown used to in this world. The, the glory of this city is seen. We have already commented on this thought, but we're reminded that heaven will be filled with the Shekinah glory of God himself. The same God who stood in absolute and total darkness, and said, let there be light. And then the light filled the world. Is the same God who will fill this city with his brilliant glory and light. But also we see the gates of the city. Those pearly gates will never be closed. The perfect and perfected people who live on the earth will come in and out of New Jerusalem and bring with them the bounty that's been produced in this new earth. And apparently after the earth is replenished and sin is defeated, humans will inhabit the earth and will live as Adam and Eve were intended to live in a perfect world without a curse. We see the grandeur of that city in chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. These verses give us a glimpse of a, a few of the sights of that city. And these few thoughts here reveal a, a grandeur of our heavenly home that, that's almost beyond anything that we can comprehend. We're told that there's a river in chapter, chapter 22, verse 1. A pure crystal river flows from God's throne. And the, the throne is, 
is a source of life, and, and the river that flows from it is symbolic of, of the kind of life that it delivers. That heavenly city is a place of peace and prosperity and pleasure, and this river is filled with the water of life. It is symbolic of the unending flow of everlasting life that is given to all those who have believed in Jesus. There is a life flowing from the throne to all who will believe. But also notice what is here. In, cha in chapter 22, verse 2, the tree of life is here. In New Jerusalem, man will have once again access to the tree of life. When Adam and Eve sinned in Eden by taking the fruit of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, we see that God removed him from the garden to prevent him from eating the fruit of the tree of life and thus forever being uh, destined to that fallen condition. And so in heaven, access to that tree of life will be restored. And so this amazing tree will yield its precious fruit each month of the year. It will bear 12 types of fruit throughout the year. Those 12 types of fruit remind us that heaven will be a place of plenty. We know that here on this earth, obtaining food has always been one of man's chief occupations. But in heaven, the tree of life will always produce its fruit. And we're told that the leaves of the tree will be used as the healing of the nations. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be sickness in heaven. We know that that's already been done away with. Uh, in chapter 21, verse 4, we know that, that sickness and disease have been banished from heaven. But the word translated healing gives us our word uh, therapeutic, and it really means the, the service to render to another. In other words, the leaves of this tree will serve to enhance our eternal life. They, they actually make life. If it could be made any better, if it could be improved in any way, that is what this tree will do. It'll make it even greater. It'll be something even more. It's added on to. And then we see in verse 3 of chapter 22 that the curse is removed. There will be no more curse, praise the Lord. When man sinned, the, the ground was cursed and man was forced to grow his food by the sweat of his brow. Part of the curse also in, involves the presence of weeds and thorns that make life hard when, when we try to do anything. Yesterday, I spent about four hours battling weeds, battling thorns, and my hands are, are hurting today because of it. But we see here the curse, it will be gone. The curse that brought sickness and, uh, sickness and violence and chaos and, and death to this world will be eternally lifted. The earth will be restored to its perfect state that it was in before sin entered. And there will be no more weeds, there will be no more thorns, there will be no more sickness or pain, violence, war, chaos, death. It will all be done away with, to never be thought of again in this world. But also, we see in verse 5, the night will be banished. The darkness that haunts this world will be banished. There will be no more night. There will be no more darkness. There will be no more hours when the prince of darkness can do his wicked works. No one will need the light of a candle or the light of a, a lamp to keep from stumbling. There will be no more darkness of any sort in that land. No darkness, either physical or spiritual, will be allowed in that place. But then we lastly see the guarantee of new righteousness. We see that in chapter 21, verse 27. In that perfect world, there will be nothing that can defile that will be allowed inside the gates. There will be no sin, no Satan, no sinners. Only those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus and justified by the God of heaven will be allowed inside of that city. And that truth right there makes heaven worth going to. It will be a place of righteousness. I wish I could 
describe heaven more fully and, and, and more accurately, but th- this is the only description that we have. It's, it's the best that John could do to describe what he was seeing. I don't possess the vocabulary. I don't possess the intelligence or the insight to, to be able to, to tell you any more, but from what I have read about this place, it sounds like the kind of place that I want to spend my eternity. It sounds like the kind of place that I want to call my new home. How about you this morning? Does this sound like the kind of place you might want to go to and spend eternity? You can. If you have a personal faith relationship with Jesus, then you can be guaranteed to be in this place forever. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can come to him today. You can repent of your sin, and by faith, you can accept the free grace that Jesus offers to you today. If you come to him, he has promised you that he will receive you. Come to him today and renew your commitment, perhaps. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you know him, but you just haven't been living for him like he's called you to. One of my favorite Christian artists is Casting Crowns. And their new song, Scars in Heaven, has really spoken to me uh, over the last three months after the homegoing of my mom. I just love that song because it just speaks such truth. And it says this, The only scars in heaven, they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken. And all the old will be made new. And though, and, and the thought that makes me smile now, even as the tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. There's many things that I look forward to in our new home in heaven. The splendor of that new home, the absence of Satan, sin, sickness, and death, the reunion with my loved ones. However, what really makes heaven home for me is that it is where my Jesus is. And I cannot wait to be held by those nail-scarred hands for, for eternity. If home is where the heart is, and if the heart is where family is, my heart is with Jesus, and I long to be with him. Can you say that you know him in that way? Can you say you have a personal love relationship with Jesus today? If you don't yet have that relationship, I invite you to come to him today. And maybe you've been putting it off. And remember, we talked about the fearful. The fear is what keeps so many away from Jesus. I, I couldn't come forward. I, could, there's just, I, I can't walk in front of people. I can't make that profession of faith. I, you know, there's just this or that fear that I have. What could keep you from a relationship with the one who loves you enough to save you from your sins, to die on the cross, to rise again, to, to prepare a home like this for you? What would cause you to want to stay away from him? Whatever the fear may be, just come. It's, it's Satan lying to you. It's not going to be nearly as bad as you're making it out to be. It's going to be a joyous time. So I invite you to come to him and watch how he changes your life. Watch how he gives you opportunities to be used by him. Maybe again today, you need to come and you need to make a new commitment. Maybe you need to come and you need to join this church family. What's he called you to? Would you be obedient to answer him with yes, Lord, today? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for this new home called heaven. We thank you for the promises that you've made to us because of the fact that we have a relationship with you. Not because there's anything in us that is righteous, but because we have been changed, because we've been transformed by the renewing of your grace. Lord, we thank you for what you did for us upon the cross of Calvary and how you are transforming us, how you are sanctifying us on a daily basis. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would stir hearts 
Lord, I've got some friends, some are young, some are middle-aged, some are older, and they do not yet know you as Savior and Lord. Some of them are here today, some of them are watching on television, some of them are watching on Facebook Live, and they know right now you're speaking to them. Brother Brad's not speaking to them, you are speaking to them, and they don't yet have a relationship with you, and they need to make that decision, and they need to make it today. I pray you give them courage to repent of sin and to come to you today. Lord, some need to come forward and make this their church home. I pray that you'd help them to make that decision today. Some just need to come to this altar and spend some time praying. Maybe they need to pray for loved ones that are lost. Maybe they just need to give something over to you that's been a burden. But Lord, help us to be obedient in this time. Lord, we pray to see lost souls saved today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our new home in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.